In this episode, I'm joined by the amazing Dave Hirschkop, the owner of Dave's Gourmet. Now, Dave shares his incredible story about turning a hobby into a hot sauce empire. Dave's Gourmet has been featured on major media platforms such as the Food Network, the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal. This episode is coming in hot, so let's get after it. Hey, everybody, what is going on? Welcome to episode number 139 of the Private Labeler Show. I'm your wonderful host, Nick Landowski, and I hope that you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you may be listening. I also hope that your businesses are crushing it right now as we speed toward the end of the year. It's really hard to believe, but man, Halloween is like, it's only weeks away. I was actually just talking with some friends about Halloween plans and and what we're going to wear as as costumes and things like that, what the hot costume this season is going to be. And I think my bet is on, uh, my bet's on Joker. I think that's, that's going to be the runaway most popular costume for this season with the movie coming out and things like that. But man, it's time flying by. We're like just storming towards the Q4 madness and I could not be more excited. And I know you guys are excited as well. And hopefully you're taking tons of action and just getting out there and making it happen and getting prepared for what is about to come. Uh, Today, everybody, we have a spicy hot episode in store for you is I will be joined shortly by Dave Hirschkop from Dave's Gourmet. Now, Dave has a really, really great story to tell about turning a passion into a successful hot sauce brand, okay? So Dave is also gonna share some tips and insights about entrepreneurship and business that I think you guys are really gonna find super helpful, okay? Now, before we get to all that, I wanted to share a few announcements with you. So if you haven't seen it by now, guys, I recently published an awesome training video and an extensive in-depth blog post titled how to sell on amazon fba now i put an enormous amount of time into this for you guys and recently published this and i think it was a couple days ago Um, i know you guys are going to find it very very useful and helpful and the video itself is over an hour and a half long and it's jam-packed with content and resources. Again, I think it's really going to help a lot of you guys out on your journey here. And I realized that it's kind of a long video. So what I did was I broke it down into different timestamp sections so you can skip around to whatever topic interests you. So uh, when you're on YouTube, just scroll down to the description and you can skip around accordingly, okay? Now, if you guys could do me a favor, yes, check out the video. I hope you watch all of it and I hope you get a ton out of it. But Uh, like the video and comment on it. And also, if you think others would benefit from it, please share the video. So by engaging with it and watching it, YouTube will show that video to more people. So that would help me out tremendously. uh, And I would greatly appreciate you guys for doing that. Now, to check out the video, just head over to my YouTube channel over at Private Labeler Show. Just type that into the search bar. Or you can find that at the blog or in the show notes for this particular episode, or I'll have links for that. So check it out. Again, put a ton of time into it, and I think you guys are really going to love it. Now, all right, enough with all that. Let's get over to this awesome interview with Dave Hirschkop. And as always, guys, stay tuned until the very end because I'm going to reveal a few key takeaways 
from our conversation and share those with you guys. And as always, you can find the show notes at privatelabelershow.com forward slash 139. Okay, here we go. Hey, everybody. I would love for you to welcome Mr. Dave Hirschkop to the show. Welcome, Dave. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for being here. We're super pumped to hear from you today. And uh, would you mind telling the audience just a little bit about yourself, Dave? Yeah. So uh, I am head of Dave's Gourmet, which I started 20, gosh, six or seven years ago. Uh, we're a specialty food company making hot sauces, pasta sauces, uh, overnight oats, and one day snack items. Snack items. Okay. So mainly hot sauces though. I, I uh, did a little research on you here and I'm very, very interested in this hot sauce stuff here. So I guess my questions are going to be, how did that exactly start? I mean, what was the journey to get involved in hot sauces? Was it just like a natural passion that you had or an interest and you kind of just went with it or like, how did, how did that all come along for, for hot sauces? Yeah. So pretty much out of college, I opened a, uh, a taqueria called Burrito Madness. And it was in College Park, Maryland, where we had a lot of drunks come in the restaurant. And I don't particularly like drunk people. So um, I started making really hot sauces just to mess with people. And along the way, I figured out how to make sauce hotter than anything in the world. And that became insanity sauce. Um, and it was great because the drunks would sit there smoldering and not causing trouble. <laughs> and uh, it was just a lot of fun. And uh, the strange part was that it, it took off. Uh, people were clamoring for it. And so we bottled it and um, uh, the company was born. Interesting. So um, what, what experience did you have with creating sauces or were you just kind of figuring things out or, yeah, I mean, how did, how did that all work out? You know, I'm just really kind of a, a creative guy. I, I really didn't cook much um, except for what I did in the restaurant. Um, I didn't know much about sauces, but you know, uh, I think one of the hallmarks of the entrepreneurs I know that that have done okay is uh, the ability to just figure things out, uh, sort of to pay attention to the details, and that's what I did. I just figured it out. I figured out like you know, the hot sauces at the time were limited by the pepper, so the hottest pepper was habanero, and and you couldn't make anything hotter than than that pepper. So I said, gosh, what's what's hotter than the hottest pepper? And I figured out. It's the thing in the pepper that makes it hot. It's hotter than the pepper itself. So I took that and I put it in sauce um, and I experimented with lots of different flavors and different ways of doing it. And um, it just that sort of experimental mindset. And, but it was fun. I mean, you know, uh, you know the passion was there because I was enjoying it. It was, it was really entertaining to burn people's faces off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hot sauces have become kind of a thing. Um, it's, but it sounds like, you know, you stated what 20 some odd years ago, this is what you were kind of working on. So you've kind of been in the game for a little bit, but is that what sets your products uh, at Dave's Gourmet apart from the competition or everybody else? Is that, you know, just the factor of yours being really hot. And I know that that's kind of a thing that people are into, or are there other um, selling points or aspects of your business that, that people would find unique? Well, I, I think, you know, we have about 50, 60 products, whatever, but I think there's a mindset that, that pushes my company and that's, you know, why, why are, do our products exist? Um, and I never wanted to just launch products that were the, similar to what's out there. Um, you know, what's the reason for a new product 
to to come to the market? What does it do for consumers that they can't already get um, at the same quality and probably a lower price? So that's really it. So you know, heirloom tomato pasta sauces, butternut squash pasta sauce. Um, creamy hot sauces that are sort of these whipped vegan hot sauces that are just amazing. Uh, so, you know, over time we've had lots of products, um, you know, some were more for, for entertainment value and some were more because the, the flavor or, or texture or whatever was, was different and we thought better. Um, you know, we had Lucky Nuts where every tenth nut was really hot, but you couldn't tell them apart. Uh, we had um, We had limited edition signed reserves and just the crazy packaging that sold for you know, some sold for hundreds of dollars and some sold for, for thousands of dollars. So, uh, you know, we just try to do things that are different, interesting, uh, partly because, you know, you know I'm, I'm your typical ADD entrepreneur. Um, I need to entertain myself. And if I find it entertaining, oftentimes it seems that consumers find it entertaining. Interesting. Um, who's your who's your target customer then? I guess I, I know it started out with kind of trying to amuse some drunk people, but obviously it's formulated into a pretty nice brand and business over the decades. But like, who is your target customer? Who's who's clamoring for the hot sauces right now? Like, what's that makeup look like? Yeah. Well, for us, you know, the hot sauces we make and the pasta sauces are two slightly different consumers. But what we find the 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 common element is is people that care about something different. People that, you know, if you just eat to survive and you don't really care about food or what you put in your mouth, you're probably not our, our customer. Um, but if you want something better or different or, you know, you know a lot of our stuff's organic, uh, you know, so if you care about that difference, then you're more likely to be our customer. Okay, gotcha. And then you mentioned a few products just a minute or two ago. What are, what are your best-selling products that you're most proud of or that do uh, the most business and have the most recognition? Well, we, you know, we mostly sell pasta sauce because pasta sauce just turns faster. Um, although we're better known for hot sauce and we think some of our creamy hot sauces, um, like our, our, our garlic red pepper or creamy roasted jalapeno, we think those will eventually be our best selling products um, in a two or three years. Uh, but, um, you know, our butternut squash pasta sauce is what put us on the map for pasta sauce. And so we're super proud of that. Uh, you know, our ghost pepper hot sauce out of our really hot sauces is, is our best seller. Um, but, you know, insanity sauce, a lot of people call it Dave's insanity, is kind of what put the company on the map. So um, I always have to, to give that a shout out. Um, and and what, what did it partly was, you know, it's incredibly hot. Uh, but at the time it came out, people made a lot of claims about things being hot. Uh, but that product was one of the few products on the market that not only lives up to its name, but, but more than lived up to its name. Well, with a name like insanity sauce, you, you kind of have to deliver, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to at least. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, in doing a little research on you and your company, uh, I noticed that over the, over the past years, you've been kind of featured on certain shows and or publications in recognition of your company and, and your products. Like, um, what, uh, what are some of the more known publications out there or shows, whatever that, that the audience might be aware of, just, just so they kind of understand? Sure. Um, so we were a cover article on Inc. Magazine. Um, I like to tell people that I am the ugliest GQ model ever to grace the page <laughs> of the GQ. Uh, and then we've had, you know, Good Morning America, uh, The Today Show many times, several times on the Food Network. Uh, and then 
most every major newspaper in the U.S. has has covered us or our products at, at some point. Cool. Um, you know, I don't know if you know, but there's a uh, a YouTube web series where they feature hot sauces. I think it's like a guy and he interviews celebrities typically, and it's all about hot sauces. And they sit down and he eats. Uh, I think they eat like chicken wings or something like that. Yeah, and hot they, ones. Yeah, hot ones. That's what it is. Okay, I've seen that a few times. And I think they feature different companies' hot sauces on their different styles or whatever. Has Have your hot sauces ever made uh, made that show by chance? They have. They've been on there. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the interesting thing is when, you're, when you create products that are different um, and, and noteworthy, um, a lot of this media, it, it happens, you know, almost to you. Uh, it's not like we're media geniuses and we've just created all this. I mean, a lot of it's just because the products are, are something people are interested in. And so media has come to us for the most part. Gotcha. Okay. How do you actually, I mean, I'd imagine this has changed over time, but how are you currently making your products? How, how are they manufactured? You just outsourcing that to a company or do you have an in-house operation or what does that look like for you guys? Yeah. So uh, actually as of a couple of weeks ago, we became a virtual company. So not only is our production outsourced, but all of our warehousing, uh, we have no office anymore. Um, so everybody basically works from home. Uh, so it's, um, you know, everything's outsourced that I can, excuse me, that I can possibly outsource. So, um, you know, there's a lot of contractors. We have a core set of employees and, and we try only to focus on the things that make a difference. Um, you know, creating new products, um, you know, uh, you know, media, stuff like this, um, some core parts of managing distribution, um, some core parts of sales. Excellent. So you said that was a recent change um, to being kind of like a different makeup of how you operate your company You're not, you know, kind of have more of the remote type of environment. Uh, what led to that change? Was it just to try something different or was it to just uh, kind of going to different, like, what, what was the whole uh, idea behind making those changes? Because I know a lot of times, you know, if you have like a small operation or whatever, a handful of employees, it's kind of nice to see people face to face on a daily basis. You know, you get a little vibe going you get that camaraderie. So I think, you know, a lot of times people like that, but I know that virtual over the past, what, five or 10 years has definitely been kind of the route a lot of businesses were going on. I'm just kind of curious why you would choose that. You know, part of it's circumstance and DNA. So, you know, our production was already outsourced. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, someone bought our building we were in, we had a huge warehouse uh, and they wanted to jack our rents way up. And at the same time, I was kind of tired of my long commute so we outsourced the warehousing and just moved into an office. But then, you know, we're in the Bay Area where traffic is significant. And my staff basically all was like, hey, I'd rather work from home and not have a long commute. Um, and I figured out, you know, every employee spends several thousand dollars a year on commuting costs. Hmm. So, you know, it sort of was just leaning that way uh, where, you know, nobody really wanted to come here. Um, we, we've always been very technology oriented, so everything was up in the cloud anyways. So it's like, you know, hey, you know, uh, I could sit here in the office sometimes and, and not really have that much interaction with people 20 feet away. Uh, and, and with instant messaging and all these technologies we employ, it was like, it doesn't really make much difference. And so we just slowly had people come in like two days a week and then one day a week. And, and we just said, forget it. Let's just, let's just go virtual. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. So what channels are like, are you currently selling your products through? I know that you obviously have your own website. 
Um, I seen that you're on Amazon, which we'll talk about, and uh, you're in retail stores. Is that kind of your general makeup or like how else are you selling your products? Yeah, I mean, you know, 98% is, is through brick and mortar. So it's, you know, it's, it's grocery stores, it's natural food stores, often on club stores, um, you know, stores in foreign countries. So export uh, uh, some food service through some restaurants. Uh, and then, you know, as you said, there's, there's third-party websites, Am Amazon, our website is, is another piece of it. So if somebody is listening out there and let's say they have a food-related product that they want to try to get into, I don't know, a Safeway or Publix or just the local, I don't know, the local uh, health food store or whatever, how does somebody go about that process? Like, you know, if they're starting from zero, essentially, is it just pretty much just knocking on doors and talking to the right people? Or like, is there, is there any uh, methods to the madness to, to getting in brick and mortar? Uh, well, for brick and mortar, so, you know, there's, there's different ways of approaching it. So some people start, you know, by going online, you know, start with Amazon, start with their own website, you know, build, build a presence, build a following, and then bring that following to brick and mortar. Uh, you know, some people still would do, you know, like uh, festivals and, and fairs where you, you know, you, you build up a list of followers and, and um, you know, then you take that over time to, you know, your local store. But, but ultimately, once you want to do brick, brick and mortar, the, the most sensible way is to go to the store near you, uh, you know, get in that store, do some demos, build some velocity. Um, get some learnings along the way because you, you want to hear feedback. That's why, you know, consumer festivals online, uh, you know, whenever you, however you start, you want to hear them tell you, hey, it's a little too salty. Hey, we like, we don't like this or do like this about the packaging. Hey, we do or don't like this about the pricing because you want to be, you know, constantly testing and tweaking early on. Um, you want to get your velocity up you know, how many jars you sell every week or, or packages every week. You want to get that number up because that's a really important number. Um, so you want to optimize before you're too big. Uh, and then, so you do that at your, your local store or online. And then uh, you do generally the theory of concentric circles is what a lot of people like. So you go to the second store is the one across town. And then the third store is the one, you know, a few miles from there. And until you've blanketed your local area and then you go to the, the next big city, you know, uh, and you just sort of work out in sort of concentric circles. Um, ultimately, you want to build a success story. You want each little store to be a model of, of success that then you can replicate at other stores. And once you really have it down and you understand sort of the, the formula to selling the store and getting the distribution, um, then it's much easier to expand out. Okay. Yeah, that's great advice there. Um, I want to kind of transition now into a little bit like the e-commerce type of stuff and, and focusing on, you know, some brand related ideas and topics. So obviously you've been in business quite a while now. So, you know, you built up a very nice brand and business. I'm sure you got a great customer base, people that kind of regularly order from you, things like that. But um, you mentioned that the majority of your, your sales is, is brick and mortar, but obviously you have a component to online uh, through Amazon, through your own e-commerce site. And I'm just kind of curious, like when did you guys decide to start selling on Amazon? Like when was that and why did you make that decision? Just because just it was an easy thing to do or, or what have you? 
Yeah, we're sort of an odd duck um, even now. So, you know, with the hot sauces, which is where we have much more online appeal on the hot sauce, um, partly because they're smaller glass jars with, you know, a slightly higher dollar relative to their size. Whereas on pasta sauce, you're talking big, heavy glass jars with the shipping and logistics make direct to consumer and online much more difficult. So on the hot sauce, it's always had this online appeal. And we early on made the decision of, we didn't necessarily want to control that online. Um, and we let a lot of our third party customers control that. So if you look at our hot sauces selling online, almost all the sales are not us. They're, they're our customers and we try to support them. Um, so when the first time we actually went to Amazon to control our sales directly was with our overnight oats. Um, and so mostly of what we sell directly on, on Amazon is our overnight oats. Um, and only now actually are we going back to Amazon and starting to take some control on the hot sauces, but only to do some quality control, only to, you know, control some of the pictures and support it with video and, and control the, the presentation of it. Um, but our goal is still to let the third party sellers, um, you know, make most of the profits off of it um, and make sure the consumers have the best experience possible. Okay, great. And then um, as far as the inner workings, have you, did you guys actually create the, the listings to get everything started or was that done by the third party sellers? That was done by the third party sellers on the hot sauces. Um, on the oats, it was us. And on the pasta sauces, you know, it's, it's third parties, but it's just, it's still an uphill battle with heavy glass jars and Amazon and, and quite frankly, online in general. Uh, it's just, you know, in fact, if you look at like, you know, the Walmarts and the Kroger's and the Safeways, look at their, their online and home delivery um, businesses. They're very unprofitable because, you know, it's just, it's just hard to have free shipping or, or, or very little shipping cost on these, you know, bigger, bulkier packages that aren't really that expensive relative to their size. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I guess uh, you said with your oats product, though, that's a whole different ballgame because it's just a lot easier to, to ship and manage, right? That's, that's the reason why you've um, kind of taken control over that. That's what you said with, uh, with that particular product, right? Right. I mean, so it's all just categories like, you know, energy bars and things that are light and not breakable, you know, are great for online and direct to consumer and, and they always fall in that category. Okay. And then um, you said you guys are primarily pushing that one. Like, do you have any tactics or strategies that you use to push the oats on Amazon? Like things that have really been working to kind of drive sales and get things going, or is it just that you have so much brand and name recognition uh, in some of these spaces that your customers just find you on Amazon or your website? Well, the oats are, are technically Dave's Naturals, which is sort of our, our sister company. So they don't benefit as much from our branding. So we've had to do more of the, the standard, you know, Amazon blocking and tackling, which is, you know, experimenting with all the different advertising options, um, both the branded and non, um, you know, obviously optimizing, uh, you know, reviews, um, uh, you know, the pictures, the copy um, to, to move up in search results. Um, so you know, the, we're just constantly tweaking, um, you know, and I don't know how many people actually use brokers, but in our industry, a lot do. So, you know, we use a broker who actually manages a lot of that for us, um, who are, you know, are, are the sort of ex Amazon people that, that branch off and, and then 
use their expertise to help you uh, help you approach it. Okay, great. And and what are you guys doing over the years? Like what, what's been working for kind of growing and in, in like, you've already have an established brand, but like, what do you do in 2019 that obviously you probably couldn't do in a lot of respects, you know, years ago, just because maybe social media wasn't around and things like that. But what are you doing now to kind of grow your awareness for your brand? Um, yeah, so, um, you know, the, the media is, is, is still there. It's still an important piece. The media is more, you know, there's a bigger online media than there used to be. So that's, that's changed. So, you know, obviously podcasts and things like that, you know, uh, influencer marketing is big. Uh, so getting out there into like the mouths of influencers and getting, you know, getting on the, in, you know, in, influence marketing is really Instagram. I don't know. They, they make it sound broader, but it's almost all Instagram nowadays. Uh, so you know, getting that out there, but you know, what you still find is that, uh, if you're selling through brick and mortar largely that the in-store activities and the sort of digital couponing activities, and you know, that is really what makes the biggest difference. So that is where, you know, we focus most of our sort of spend, uh, is, is getting that tag on the shelf that shows a discount or, or on a shopping app, uh, you know, showing people that, you know, this is on special, um, you know, check this out. Uh, you know, and then it's just a matter of, you know, you use that to drive velocity and then you, 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 you're blocking and tackling and selling to, to drive distribution. So you, you mentioned influencer marketing, um, predominantly through Instagram, which really makes a lot of sense for like, you know, it's a very visual platform and I, you know, there's, there's such a following, it's such a massively growing uh, platform right now. So what do you guys do specifically? Do you have, um, did you reach out to certain celebrities or certain groups of people or just people with large pages and kind of have them promote your products? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, off and on we've used agencies, um, for that where, you know, they, they reach out to a certain set of, um, you know, influencers or micro influencers, uh, and you know, they, they get them to say yes. And then we send them product and they, and they take pictures and, and post it out there. And, and, and one of the nice side benefits of course is, you know, we sometimes get use of those pictures. Um, so it gives us um, some great materials to work with because I mean, so some of the things these influencers do are just beautiful. I mean, just really great food photography. Um, and some of the recipes they create are really creative and, and, and delicious. So, uh, so that's a really great side benefit, but um, you know, it's only one piece of the puzzle because as much as we do that, we still find that the in-store activities uh, drive a lot more business. Okay, interesting. And, and are you using any other social platforms besides Instagram? Are you using Facebook or do you have a YouTube presence at all? Or is it predominantly just Instagram for the social platforms? Uh, well, Facebook, certainly uh, we do also. Um, we don't do a lot with Pinterest, not because we don't think it's worthwhile. We just, you know, we're we're a very small core of people. And so um, with our sort of virtual model, we we decided to really pick our battles um, and really focus on fewer things that make a bigger difference. Excellent. Do you actually, I, I don't know how you measure the ROI uh, specifically for your uh, Instagram efforts, but do you, do you notice a, a, a pretty decent um, return on that for your dollars spent on those influencers in terms of them driving wherever you're going to drive the traffic to your website or, or what have you? Is that, does that seem to be uh, something that is working well for you? You know, so, so, uh, honestly, uh, that's, if, you know, as you talk to digital agencies and people in the digital world, that's the tough piece is sort of tracking the, 
the the chain of like does that drive purchases um so if you're selling online it's much easier to sort of connect that through and see like that a whole chain so we we've tried different efforts like you know facebook advertising um very focused in a certain region around a certain store chain and then track the sales of that store chain over the course of that um and we we haven't quite found a way to really drive a great return on on pretty much any digital efforts. Um, so we still do it. We still think it, it, it moves us forward. Um, it's just the ROI is much better on what we do in store at this point. Um, we're still looking for the holy grail. <laughs> gotcha. So Dave, you said that you had, I think it was what, 60 to 70 products or was it 70, 80? Um, how, how do you go about deciding when you're adding new products, like how does that work? To, you know, as far as if when you want to grow your line, I, I noticed you, you mentioned that, you know, obviously you're known for the sauces, but you kind of dabble in different things. You got the, um, the pasta stuff going and then you mentioned oats and maybe a few other things, but like, what's the philosophy on kind of growing your brand out with new products to kind of add additional revenue and I guess, grow your influence. Right. So, you know, so all these advisors over time have have told us to be very strategic, you know, uh, f focus on your knitting, which, you know, would have meant that we would have stayed as a hot sauce company. Um, I wanted to do pasta sauce. I just saw this sea of red where everyone was trying to be more Italian than the next person. Um, so, you know, we went there with heirloom tomatoes and, and some really different approaches. Uh, and then, you know, people were like, okay, well, you're a sauce company, so stay focused on that. But... Uh, I just reached a point where I decided that it's not that much fun to be strategic. So I decided when I, when I think something needs to be done um, and I really like it, I'm going to do it. So that's when the overnight oats came out, which ha have done great. Uh, and uh, we're working on some snacks, healthy snacks for next year. Um, not because it's the most strategic thing to do, but because you know it will it will help us grow but um i just feel like there's too many like fake healthy snacks out there and too many uh too many snacks that are you know like those energy bars are, they're really just cookies um you know they're mm -hmm. it's a lot of positioning and a lot of this and that but um i really wanted some some compelling healthy snacks that i could eat so i'm working on that because I know there's other people like me that, that want the same thing. So uh, it's more of a personal thing now where, where I don't need to be a billionaire. Uh, we're doing great. Uh, and so I'm kind of going to do what I want because why create your own company if you can't do what you want? <laughs> you know, I, I love the answer you kind of gave there. You said, you know, it's not necessarily just strategy because you could have a million really smart people tell you exactly which direction to go. But if you're not feeling it or if you're not into it, then what's the point, right? Like you could make more money maybe if you kind of followed a certain strategy, but I think what you just said there is really important that, hey, I'm doing okay and I want to launch these types of products just because, hey, I'm into it as well. And it's maybe what my interests are surrounded around. And I mean, what's the worst could happen? Is it fails or it doesn't really sell as well as you thought it could be? Then, oh, well, it's not necessarily the end of the world, but uh, I think that's kind of an interesting stance there. Whereas I think most people try to be so extremely strategic in every possible business move, you know, as an entrepreneur that maybe, um, they're kind of handcuffed to their, to their creativity and to their own desires, I guess. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, it's a personality thing too. I mean, some people are very, very focused, very disciplined human beings that really 
will follow a much more strategic approach and God bless them. Um, that's just not, you know, you got to know who you are and what your strengths and weaknesses are. And um, I'm, a, I'm more of a creative person. So uh, that's what makes me happy. And so I want to be happy. I don't want to just make, make money. That's not the purpose of the business. Uh, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, I just want to circle back around. So you're obviously, you know, very experienced in the food space, but if somebody's listening to this and maybe they have some passions of their own, they want to start, you know, this type of food product or, or what have you, uh, food products are obviously just from my own point of view, seem to be a little bit challenging in a lot of respects. You know, if you sell on Amazon, as an example, they, I'm sure they got a lot of rules and regulations and things you got to be aware of just as the way as, you know, any maybe state or local government has around food products. Uh, just to make sure everybody's safe and make sure you're following guidelines. And um, is that at all a challenge when you're dealing with selling food as compared to, let's just say, some random, you know, widget? Um, yeah, I mean, every industry has its has its different, you know, pluses and minuses. Uh, you know, food, most food isn't that tricky in the sort of safety regard. I mean, if you're going to do meat products um, or seafood products, you know, there's a lot more. Uh, hurdles to jump, uh, you know, so, so the basic uh, uh, things you have to pass aren't that hard, which actually gotten to create a lot of delays nowadays is all the certifications, you know, the sort of non-GMO and, and organic, and if you want to be gluten-free and all that, all these certification bodies um, can create a lot of delays and cost. Um, so that's, that's actually been sort of an odd, uh, you know, benefit for for consumers that you can claim these things, but um, it makes a lot of sort of paperwork and complication on our end. Gotcha. And a question I, I forgot to ask, I wanted to uh, understand a little bit more. So for your um, customer base, like your core customers, people that buy from you again and again, like, do you have any sort of like, a, maybe like a loyalty program or like a subscribe and save type of offer going where uh, you're getting that repeat business because people like love and trust your brand and, you know, they buy, you know, maybe every week or every month or whatever it is. Like, do you guys have any, uh, any uh, systems built up to kind of capture that repeat business from like your diehards, like people that maybe have been buying from you for, I don't know, 10, 15 years or something like that. They really like what you're about and things like that. Like I, I cause I think, you know, capturing, that repeat business instead of always trying to acquire new customers all the time is really important. Yeah. I mean, yeah, certainly on Amazon with the oats, we have the subscribe and save. Uh, but you know, on the pasta sauces and hot sauces, you know, we don't have a formal program. I mean, uh, I think for, for our consumers, you know, uh, we are constantly evaluating our own items and trying to actually improve them. Um, and then, you know, of course we run specials through brick and mortar. So, uh, you know, three or four times a year, there's a, there's a special and, and consumers that, you know, sort of, uh, you know, that take advantage of those sorts of things, uh, they can buy in those periods and, and, uh, stock up a little bit. Gotcha. Hey Dave, what, what advice would you give somebody that has kind of done what you have done over the years, like turning a hobby or just kind of some random idea that you had when you were uh, back in the day working at the, at the restaurant there dealing with some of the drunks, but like somebody that wants to turn a hobby into a business. I know there might be a lot of people out there listening going, you know, they have this idea or they're into X, Y, Z, but they 
just don't feel confident in turning into a business because maybe they're so attached to their nine to five job or whatever it might be. You know, you, you just went with it. You just went with it and you made it happen and you've been successful because of it. But based off of that, like what advice would you potentially give to somebody that is interested in turning that hobby into a business? Yeah. So, you know, things, data is just so big now. Um, uh, and, but, uh, you know, when we hear data, we, we it's sort of, it can be intimidating to some people, you know, I didn't know it, but I used data back in the day. And my data was at my restaurant, people would come in and taste it. And I had enough dozens or hundreds of people requesting it. And so that, that was the data I needed to know, like, wow, people really want this. And so I went to the, the national fiery foods show and the, the response was amazing. So, you know, I think people need to find out, is there really a demand for this? You know, is there an idea, you know, can they make little samples of it um, and test it out, not with just friends and family, but with actual, like, people who use that type of item. Uh, find out, you know, is there a demand, you know, a, a test it at a different price points, you know, would, would people actually buy it? Uh, because, you know, once you have that information, that's a lot of, that gives you a lot of confidence. Once you know, for a fact that people actually want it, that, that the right people actually want it and will buy it, that, you know, that helps give you the confidence that, wow, that, that there's something there. Um, but, you know, and then in the reverse of some people have the confidence, but they have no reason for their confidence. Um, all sorts of people launch very mediocre to less than mediocre items in the food world. Um, and, and some people succeed just because they're great salespeople or whatever, but, um, you know, they, I wish they would have tested out, out their item ahead of time and maybe tweaked it and improved it before they went to market because it's so much easier selling products that are compelling um, and that are better than to have to constantly push items that aren't that great. Gotcha. So bottom line, get data. And obviously today there are so many different avenues to kind of field data and test things out and you know, you could obviously do that face to face or in your case, you know, if you go to like, let's say trade shows or expos or whatever that might be, that's real live actual stuff. But depending upon the product and the situation, you know, we have so many different ways to reach people through the internet and social channels to kind of test things out and to get people's actual feedback. But the bottom line is what well, they actually give you the money for things, you know, like if you're testing a product out there, it's like, yeah, people might tell you, Hey, that's a cool idea, but would they open their wallet? You know, like that's kind of the next step in the process. So I think if, if people are willing to open their wallet to your idea, you're saying, Hey, you know, might, you might be onto something. Right. And survey monkey and things like that, make it, make it so easy. And there's, there are these box companies where they send out snack boxes and you can, you can participate in that and they'll give you all sorts of feedback from, from the people receiving the boxes on like what they thought of your item. And, you know, you can ask custom questions and um, yeah, I mean, it's a, pay, a little bit of a pain in the butt sometimes up front doing that extra research, but really comes back to you in so many ways. It's worth just a little more research up front. Gotcha. Hey Dave, do you have any, um, any podcasts that you're currently listening to maybe in the business or entrepreneurship world or anything for that matter, any, maybe any books that you'd recommend to some of the entrepreneurs listening out there books that have maybe served you or just think uh, books that you think are interesting. Um, well, I can't remember the full title, but I'm reading a book called grit right now. Uh, because, um, well, I have kids for one, but, uh, I think grit is just, you know, grit is one of the key characteristics of successful entrepreneurs. Um, but it's also one of the things that, you know, we're not really teaching kids nowadays. Um, and it's just so important just that, 
that positive attitude and that like, you know, when you fail, when something goes wrong, you know, how do you like, how do you perceive that and what do you do and how do you say, okay, what can I learn from this? What can I do better? Um, you know, you know, people get so sensitive, but you know, expect to fail. Failure is part of life and, and it's okay. Um, I was like the sort of sale, that adage of like the salesperson who's like, yes, I failed. I'm one more failure closer to success. One more no closer to yes. I always thought that was sort of entertaining. Well, what is it? Fail your way to success, they say, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, if, if you succeed right off the first time, which, you know, like I kind of did with insanity, but um, that was that was as much luck as anything. Yeah. Well, they say that, yeah, when people succeed right off the bat without really having any failures, you know, eventually the failure of comments, like you don't know how to handle it. And uh, because everything might've been just roses for, for years for certain people, but yeah, I agree. Failure is extremely important. So anybody listening out there, and I, I have heard of that book grit, by the way, I'll definitely put that in the show notes. I haven't read that yet myself, but it's been recommended a few times, but regards to failure, I think anybody listening to my podcast, you know, over, over the years or what have you, you know, you got to kind of, kind of, it's okay to fail. It's totally cool. I always just say failure is just feedback. It's really all it is, you know, once you kind of break it all down. So yeah, um, it'd be great to go to a cocktail party where like, you know, not everyone's only bragging about their successes, but they're sort of like people have maybe given some thought to their failures and made the story a little more colorful somehow. So people can, can tell, tell everyone about like, Hey, I had this failure that was like, you know, and people are like, wow, that's great. Um, <laughs> You know, because because now we're all like hiding all our dirty laundry, and like we're all trying to, especially with online and social media now, we're all trying to seem seem like we're perfect, and we have these like, you know, Instagram moments and Instagram, tra- you know, it's like, you totally know, agree. no, no, we're we're actually all people, and we've we're all have we all have weird habits and failures, and and that's just part of life, and that's yeah. uh, that's fine. That's totally true. Expire, yeah, the, the social media stuff, everybody's life is curated for everybody else to think it's perfect. And I think sometimes when you show humility or again, maybe a failure or what have you, it's like that actually grabs people, but people are a little bit hesitant to kind of release that because again, they have this idea in their head of who they want to be perceived as, you know, to others. And it's all got to be roses and perfect. And social media allows us to showcase that perfect life if we want it. But, um, I guess, Dave, uh, you know, what, what is next for Dave's gourmet? Like what's next for your company, for your brand? Obviously you made a pretty big transition with the remote aspect of things. You're trying, you know, some new product opportunities, but you know, do you have anything else uh, on the horizon that gets you and your uh, employees excited about the future? Well, I mean, we're, we're product people. So, you know, we have some some new pasta sauces that will be coming out. Um, we're still just super jazzed about the creamy hot sauces, which are not that old for us. Uh, and then um, the snack line next year. So all that's exciting. And uh, you know, now that we're virtual, we're still really trying to get uh, smarter about data, um, about you know how to how to really read the data out there in the brick and mortar world, and then really trying to figure out like. How do you merge the digital and brick and mortar um, into uh, a sort of seamless way of, of giving consumers a great experience and to really like getting your messaging across to people that like, hey, here's what I created and here's why and how and here's why it's special. Gotcha. Do you guys do like, I'm just thinking we have Q4 coming up. 
and obviously holiday time. So, you know, retail frenzy right around the corner. Um, is the hot sauce market like, uh, is that a big thing or like even a partially big thing for like gift giving for the holidays? Like, is that something where you guys kind of look forward to? Cause it's like going to be a peak in sales because of that. You know, to some degree, I mean, it used to be much more so because we were, you know, we started out more like what we call the gift and gourmet market where we had a lot of gift packs and we sold in a lot of these little gifty stores um, and all our stuff sat together. But, you know, in grocery stores, if you have a hot sauce, it's in one section, your pasta sauce is a different part of the store. So, um, so we're less seasonal now with the hot sauces. Um, actually, the pasta sauces are more seasonal, um, you know, sort of the the late fall, winter, early spring is the better season for pasta sauce. So um, we're definitely looking for things to pick up. And quite frankly, you know, in the grocery world, you you program out your promotions months and months ahead of time. So we have a bunch of big promotions that kick in soon. And, and so that, that spurs sales. Gotcha. Just a random thought that I had. I was just, you know, thinking about Q4 and kind of where you're taking your business and if, you know, the hot sauce market was like a, I could see that being like a cool giftable type of thing where, you know, if you have that, you know, coworker or dad or, or cousin or friend that's really into hot sauces, because I know a few people that are, you know, I could just see that being like an awesome giftable thing if they get it in kind of like a, you know, some nice packaging or, you know, a great presentation would be something cool to kind of give as a stocking stuff or holiday gift. So yeah, because every, everybody knows that one person that can eat anything hot. And so, you know, certainly for that person, you know, our ghost pepper sauce and some of the things like that are, are a great gift and, and have been given for many years. Um, so, you know, they can go to davesgourmet.com or one of our other customers that sells it. And um, yeah, it, it is definitely a good gift. Yeah. So is that, is that where people can make, you, you want people to go to davesgourmet.com. And uh, obviously I think from there too, when I was looking, they can look up their local retail market and find you in those retail stores at the store locator, right? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and store locators are great. They're, they're, they're a tremendous asset and, you know, and then, you know, eventually I hope that websites are so different in that, like somehow it just sort of like, you know, knows the consumer's preferences for they want it online. Do they want it brick and mortar? Do they want it click and collect? Um, you know, and it just sort of tells you like, you know, exa here's exactly what you want. Here's the way you want to get it. Here's the best, best place to get it and at the best price and all that. But our website certainly isn't that sophisticated yet. Um, I know Amazon's pretty sophisticated about those things. Yeah. Yeah. They're on a whole nother level of data and, uh, AI and who knows what they're up to these days. <laughs> I don't even want to know. I mean, I think Alexa's got me spooked enough as far as like, I think it was the other day, Alexa was just randomly telling me, Hey, uh, you need to reorder X, Y, and Z item. And I was just like, what? I'm like, Oh my God, I do. Like <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. I was just like, here's where we're at, you know, with, with e-commerce. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, the whole the whole you know, like AI convenience versus privacy um, um, definitely um, freaks people out. But um, you know, it's so interesting how a lot of this like is all predicted in like science fiction movies. Um, so uh, yeah, and we're just barreling right towards it, knowing yeah. and knowing everything is going to play out exactly like the <laughs> like the books told us. The so, question is, which book and which movie was the right one? Oh, great question. <laughs> So Dave, uh, we're about to wrap this up here. It has been a pleasure. Um, really excited about you and your company and your brand. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on hot ones on the on the YouTube there and uh, 
check your guys's sauces out there and see what the reactions are to some of those people. And I'll have to definitely take a look for the holiday time. I got, I got some of this really in the hot sauces that I know. So I'm definitely going to look you guys up, see if I can go down the street or on your website and, uh, and grab some of your, what, insanity sauce or was it the ghost sauce or both? But you grab both, but you know, I would grab one of the creamy hot sauces because they're, they're the thing that I think is most awesome right now. Okay. Gotcha. Will do. Will do. So uh, before we part ways here, Dave, anything, uh, anything else or any last words of wisdom for the listeners out there? You know, I think, um, you know, it's been fun. I really appreciate you having me on there. Um, I just, um, the, the thing I always tell people, uh, if they think about going into business is just, you know, create something special. Um, do something that, that moves the whole market forward and that gives people something different. Um, and, and if you really create value in that way, um, you'll be successful, I think. Excellent. Excellent. So just for the listeners out there, uh, any of the show notes or check out the show notes as usual for any links or anything that we talked about for summary and, um, links to Dave's website and all that good stuff. You guys know the drill. But uh, Dave, we're going to end it there. I greatly appreciate your time, sir. This has been awesome. And we will look you up and buy some of your sauce. Well, thank you very much. And I do appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Wow. Thanks again, Dave. That was super fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Tons of great business insights and ideas being shared there. And uh, check out Dave's Gourmet online or at your local grocery. I'm going to be looking into the insanity sauce. I got a few people that I think that would kind of be cool for, for like holiday gifts and things like that. Um, So check them out. Now I want to get into a few key points that I took away from our conversation and I want to share those with you guys. So the first key takeaway that I wanted to share here, uh, we talked a little bit about demand, demand being everything. Uh, Again, you could have a really cool idea, but if nobody's actually willing to pay you for that product or service, then you don't really have a business there. So you want to make sure that there's demand for your product or service. And if you have um, people that you can kind of go to that are interested in your product, you can also lean on them for feedback, for ways to improve your product. And I think that's really, really important. So you kind of can test it out and mold it and um, constantly make it better so that it is unique or different than the competition. And you know what, guys? Amazon can actually be a fantastic testing ground for new products. Okay, there's obviously millions upon millions of customers there ready to buy. So as long as a product is in demand, you can kind of put products out there and get that feedback that we always talk about. So that's via reviews and just things like that so that we can constantly improve our products. And once a product maybe is a hit on Amazon, we could then take it elsewhere on our own website or where have you, maybe even at a retail store, things like that. So demand is everything. Again, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but we want to Go to those people that are interested in our product, ready to buy, and have them kind of give us that feedback so that we can constantly improve our product or service. So moving on to idea number two that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, I thought this one was really important and it made me think quite a bit. Um, you know, Dave suggested that you know strategy is really important, obviously, in executing a profitable business and all that kind of stuff and growing and all this and that. But sometimes you just have to go against the grain and go with your gut and do things and take a path sometimes that you find more enjoyable in your business. And maybe that results in you not making as much money, but you're happier. So kind of like uh, leading into the idea that, you know, money is great, but 
happiness is better. Okay. So that really kind of made me think, you know, Dave kind of said, Hey, he's kind of set his business up that makes him a good living and uh, also provides him with maximum happiness. So kind of throw that out there for you guys. It just really made me think, I don't know what you guys thought on that, but uh, wanted to share that with you for idea number two. So the third and final takeaway that I wanted to share with you guys has to do with outsourcing. So if you picked up on it, uh, when we got to talking, Dave says, hey, you know, I got people that manage my Amazon presence or when it came to marketing stuff, publicity, things related, hey, he's got people that he works with on that, okay? He's not trying to do everything himself. Obviously, he has employees and, uh, you know, that that's all really, really important. And my suggestion is to do the, the tasks of the things that you find enjoyable and everything else, try to outsource in your business. Hire experts, people that are better than you at it and let them kind of run with it, okay? So just throwing it out there from an e-commerce perspective, uh, if you're looking for different freelancers, I might recommend the jungle market or look at freeup.com. See my resources page for that kind of stuff. So that'll just allow you to kind of free up a lot of your time to focus on the things that you find more enjoyable in your business. And I think you'll be happier in doing that instead of trying to be the jack of all trades and and ultimately being the bottleneck in your own business, which you don't want to be, okay? So that was the final takeaway that I had. So that about wraps up today's episode. Now guys, check out the show notes at privatelabelershow.com forward slash 139 for any links, things that we mentioned in there in the episode. And also guys, Make sure you check out my latest YouTube video titled How to Sell on Amazon. Again, I put a massive amount of time into that for you guys. Tons of value in there. Make sure you like the video, comment on it, share it if you think somebody else needs to see it. I'm super excited about that video and the blog post that goes along with it. Again, a lot of time and effort put into it. Um, so yeah, check all that stuff out, guys. And Get out there and take some action in your businesses, guys. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we are barreling into Q4 here, and it is time to go out there and make it happen and execute and make some money. So I'll leave it at that, guys. I'll talk to you later. Peace. This episode of The Private Labeler Show has ended. Please show your support for the podcast by subscribing for more business strategies and tactics to help you build your empire. Also, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.